This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you late on a Thursday evening after the Cubs and Braves split two games at Wrigley Field, the Cubs winning the first and final games of the series with the Braves winning the two sandwiched in the middle there. So we will we have a lot to talk about with these four games, and we will certainly do that. We will touch on which Cubs are going to be starting the 2019 All-Star Game in Cleveland and everything else going on in the world of the Chicago Cubs. But I do want to let you guys know that Brendan and I are committed to this podcast and and to the Chicago Cubs and and in doing so we are both recording this uh hunched over with our right arms extended uh a la Craig Kimbrell and we will be doing so for the entire hour of this podcast so if we oh, yeah. stop speaking at any point Brendan it's likely because we've passed out or can no longer stand up straight no, I got I got the shoulder strength for that one, Corey. You have to remember, I, I I'm the one who played baseball over here. Right. I got the strength for it. I you are absolutely right. I forget that very often. But Craig Kimbrell makes his debut on Thursday. I think that is it, it with with four games against a first place Braves team. A lot going on in this series, uh, but I think his debut is the storyline that sticks out. And Brendan. There have been a few moments like this uh, for player acquisitions or just big moments where guys come to the plate, pinch hit spots, etc., where even on TV, you can tell how absolutely electric Wrigley Field is, and you just get some of those moments where you are reminded why Chicago Cubs fans are the best on the planet. And I got chills when the (laughs) opening line from Slash and Guns N' Roses, 
sweet child of mine hits and out comes Craig Kimbrell from the Wrigley Field bullpen. What a buzz in that ballpark, Brendan. And this is that moment we've been waiting for. And I, and I got to tell you, like even just seeing him on the mound was really surreal. Uh, I think he's just, got that presence, man. You just he has know, a presence, like, no, doubt. no matter what. Yeah, he just has that adrenaline rush, you know, that guys thrive off of. I love it. And just to see him doing his hunch over thing, is there a name for that? I keep I call, calling see, it. I call it the wings. I don't know why you call it the hunch over thing. Like for me, it's almost like he's like extending I, out. I, I get, you know, wings. we're we're in the radio business, Brendan. So I'm trying to create like a visual, you know what I mean? But I, I got to look at that. I don't know if there's like an official, I guess we could just say, you know, the Kimbrel thing, right? But whatever, however you want to describe it, like seeing him on the Wrigley Field mound in a Cubs uniform, doing his thing was was pretty surreal I gotta be honest like just after this whole offseason and and the struggles of the bullpen early on in the season it was surreal and and awesome to see him on that mound for the Chicago Cubs and Brendan right away he makes his presence felt obviously he ends up getting the save within a a very uh dirt-filled assist from one Anthony Rizzo over at first base but he comes out and pumps a 98-mile-an-hour fastball <laughs> for a strike for his first pitch as a Chicago yeah. Cub. And I was watching in my living room, and my immediate reaction was just like, let's go. Like, know, he's right? here. He's pumping gas. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. Especially after you heard reports, you know, he's throwing 94, 95, 96. We'll see what happens. Maybe his velocity goes back up. Right. First pitch, 98, no more conversation. That's it. Let's go. Here we are. Yeah, so we will uh, we will talk more about that uh, and and his debut and everything. But it was an exciting day at Wrigley Field, an exciting game, a nice comeback win for the Cubs on Thursday to salvage a split in this series. And we've got our closer, folks. So that is kind of the the end of that portion of this saga. And now we just get to enjoy having one of the best closers in Major League history come out of that bullpen and. Just to kind of wrap that up, like we immediately saw Steve Ciszek came in earlier in the game to kind of put out a fire. But it was kind of nice, right? Just yeah. having that having that ability to do that. That's that's why a Craig Kimbrell signing makes so much sense. Now Steve Ciszek can go into those situations and we're not as stressed out. I love it. Right. Right. You have Kinsler follow, who's been very good for the Cubs this year. He he continues to do well. And then you get kind of what we've been waiting for. Strope in the eighth. Kimbrell in the ninth, yeah. lights out, game over, Bye-bye. fly the W, sing the song, you guys know the deal. Yeah. So let me run through these four games with the Braves real quick. As I always say with the four-game series, I'll try to keep it extra brief. We've been trying to move through these uh, a little quicker lately on the episodes. Hopefully you guys prefer that or enjoy that, uh, but we do always kind of want to just set the stage so we don't always have to be going back to the pitcher lines and stats and all that other stuff. Uh, on Monday, this was a good one and, and looked like the, the Cubs were ready to kind of flip the script from splitting those series with the White Sox and the Mets to start this homestand, an 8-3 to victory over the first place Braves coming into Wrigley Field. Ya boy picks up his seventh win, John Lester goes six innings. He allows five hits, no earned runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. It was a good one for Johnny on Monday. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. They would jump out to a big lead in this one early. Wilson Contreras gets him on the board with his 16th homer of the year in the bottom of the fourth. 
He adds an RBI single to make it two to nothing, and then the Cubs put up a five spot in the fifth. Five in the fifth. Love it, Brendan. Kyle Schwarber, a ground rule double. KB, a single. Rizzo, a single. Javi, a double. Wilson Contreras, ground out. Are your RBIs that made it seven to nothing Cubs? The Braves do some stuff that nobody cares about. And in the eighth, Jason Hayward, his 11th home run of the season that made it eight to three. And that is, of course, the final. On Tuesday, the Braves winning three to two in this one. And it was. Ozzy Albies, who is on that list, Brendan. Shocker. Cool. Yeah, we talk about Jeez. a lot of these guys. It was Pete Alonzo for the Mets. He's a new one uh, this season that we're you know going to have to deal with for a while. Uh, but we are no stranger to Ozzy Albies hitting against the Cubs. His numbers are pretty absurd uh, against them indeed. And he gets the winner in this one in the seventh inning, a two-run home run to win it off of Mike Montgomery. Adbert Alzolai. We got an official pronunciation from Len Casper. And if anybody I am trusting to relay this information, it is Len Casper. And the official pronunciation, Adbert Alzolai. So we do pronounce the T. And but it's lie, not lay, in his last name. So I've, I've practiced several times. I'm ready to go. It took uh, me a while to get that new pronunciation right. But Albert Alzolai is correct, Corey. That is uh, correct. Assuredly, we will yes. continue to mess it up. I almost apologize <laughs> to Adbert for that, but uh. that's what we're. If you hear us mispronounce it, what I just said is what we're going for. So we're going to stick we're trying, with that. We're trying. But Alzali goes four and two thirds. He throw. He gives up one hit, one earned, four walks, and four strikeouts. He was good in this game. This is a tough Braves lineup. His first official major league start. Obviously, the walk total higher than you would like. But I think through you know almost through five innings there against this Braves lineup, a, a good showing for him uh, in, in a tough environment here. Uh, but again, the the Albies homer off of Mike Montgomery in the seventh is the winner. The Cubs would, you know, certainly try to push across the tying and winning runs, but to no avail, and they fall three to two. On Wednesday, this was another not-so-fun one. The Braves jumping out to a five-to-nothing lead off of Yu Darvish, who takes his fourth loss of the season. I got to tell you, Brendan, I think he would have preferred the no decision in this one, even though he had so many in a row. Uh, but he yeah. takes the L in this one, changing it up a little bit. Five innings, five hits, five earned, two walks, and eight strikeouts. Again, the home run ball is the big thing doing Darvish in. He gives up two of them. The Cubs try to make their way back. They score the three unanswered there, one each in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings. Those runs coming on a Wilson Contreras home run, his 17th of the season. Chris Bryant with an absolute bomb. Uh, yeah, I that was think it hit the scoreboard. I, I hit the sure very bottom the of the scoreboard, okay. kind of ricocheted off, but it did hit the scoreboard. Yeah, you know, so we've seen him hit the top of the scoreboard. So it's like KB, you know, okay, yeah. come on, dude. Like, elevated a little bit, right? Uh, That is his 16th of the year, and Jason Hayward with an RBI ground out in the 6th, but that would be all she wrote for the Cubs offense. The Cubs do mount 
a rather good chance there in the bottom of the eighth inning. Wilson Contreras taking a one-out walk. Jason Hayward with a single to push Contreras to second, but the Cubs get two really bad at-bats in a row, one from Addison Russell and one from Victor Caratini, who would play the hero on Thursday, and that was all of that rally. So again, 5-3 to three the final on Wednesday. Braves up 2-1 to one in the series at that point. And it looked, Brendan, like they were on their way to taking 3-4 of four in this series with the way that Thursday's game started to unfold. The Cubs getting on the board first with a Kyle Schwarber leadoff home run. Gotta say, Brendan, love a leadoff Schwarbaum. Uh, big fan over here oh, yeah. uh, of a oh, leadoff yeah. of a leadoff Schwarbaum. Uh, but Tyler Chatwood would do his thing after that. Uh, he gets the win in this one, so you know that's baseball <laughs> scoring for yeah, you. But do he his goes, thing uh, used loosely there, Corey. But yeah, he he does enough. Let's put it that. Yeah, way. However, you want to take that, you're more than welcome to sure. to take that. Yeah, uh, five innings, six hits, six earned, four walks, and five strikeouts for Chatwood. A pretty classic Chatwood line. There were some double plays mixed in there. It's just uh, kind of a familiar tale at this point. Uh, and the Cubs at one point trailing 6-1 to one in this game. The Braves putting up a two-spot in the fourth inning to make it 6-1. to one. And then the Cubs offense would take over and do their thing, which is definitely a sight for sore eyes. In the bottom of the fourth, Hayward with a single and a wild pitch to score Jason Hayward later in the inning would make it 6-4. to four. Hayward with a two RBI single earlier in the inning to bring two across in the bottom of the fifth. Another productive fifth inning for the Cubs. Anthony Rizzo with a ground rule double to bring the Cubs within one. Jason Hayward with a triple to tie things up. And then the aforementioned Victor Caratini, two-run home run to put the Cubs up eight to six and put them up for good. Ozzy Albies would hit another home run, a uh, shocker there, to pull the Braves within one, and a passed ball by catcher Tyler Flowers mm. brings the ninth run in to get us to the final of ninth to seven. This It happened on Monday, Brendan, so I don't know how much we're going to get into it, but I'm done with the recap. Obviously, we, we talked about Craig Kimbrell gets the save in this one. He comes in uh, and and gets the save in this one. A really nice play by Anthony Rizzo makes the stop on Freeman and then beats him with a dive to touch the glove to first base to end this one. Look, it's opening day for Craig Kimbrell. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't had his PFPs, guys. So, you know, you got to give him a second uh, on getting over to cover first base. But that's what our captain. Well, that's Tony that's Rizzo why we have Rizzo for. there too. I mean, Kimbrell's smart enough to know that he has a Gold Glove first baseman right there. So at the same time, give him credit for it. Absolutely, he's thinking. I've heard this guy over at first base is the unofficial captain. He's got my back, and he did. And they both, and, and you know, they embrace in a hug right after they what win that game. What a wonderful gift! What a moment! That right? is like, the first gif in the MLB database. If you look you up Kimbrell, his first gif as a Chicago Cub is both ear-to-ear smiles and a hug with him and Anthony Rizzo. And if anything we love on the Cubs-related podcast, it is that wholesome family content uh, of hugs and and things of that nature. So gotta love that. Uh, All smiles afterward. Kimbrell was, you know, sounded absolutely thrilled to be there. He was posting on, I think he just joined Twitter uh, and was, you know, talking about and resharing videos and stuff about the the welcome from for Cubs fans and the ovation that he got. So 
Very successful debut for the Cubs' new closer and one of the best in Major League history. But just to touch briefly on what happened on Monday, uh, basically, to, to kind of the, the, the short version of this, right, is Tyler Flowers with a, a frame of a strike that Wilson Contreras disagreed with. Wilson Contreras doing his job and says something to the umpire because he's catching for his pitcher. John Lester. And you you know that I was going to take this very seriously, this situation, because all Wilson is doing is sticking up for John Lester, right? So at that point, Brendan, you, you and everybody listening knows that I'm all in on this, right? And I, if I were there at Wrigley Field, I'd be ready to jump on the field to come to Wilson's aid, you know, just as, as anybody else. Uh, the Wrigley Field security has asked me not to do stuff like that, but I, I think it's all in good fun, personally, but we'll see. And Tyler Flowers, you can see on the replay, says something to Wilson Contreras as he's talking to the home plate umpire. And he's given a smirk, too. You can see yes. he has this little smug you know, look yes, on his face. Yes, he was being smug. Absolutely. Oh, no yeah. question no about doubt. that. Uh, Tyler Flowers has a punchable face, if I've ever seen one. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. No question about that. On a Braves team that has a lot of them, Brendan, like I don't really have that much of a problem with the Braves as a general concept, but Brian between McCann, him Tyler and Flowers. Donaldson, like, eesh, yeah. yikes. Anyway, I, I'm I'm digressing a little bit, but Wilson clearly takes umbrage with whatever Flowers said to him. I, I assume he told him, you know, not to worry about my pitch framing or shut up about talking to the umpire. Who knows, right? I don't think Wilson said what Flowers said to him, but. On the next pitch, Wilson hits an opposite field home run and immediately turns around and says something to Flowers. After the game, Wilson says, basically, I was just telling him, you do your job and I'll do mine. If I could read lips, I'm going to say there was some more colorful language in there, Brendan, but I'm going to take Wilson at his word. He goes around the bases and jaws at Flowers when he comes back. The bench is clear. And... One thing I'll say, as we just dogged the Braves, Brendan, I do want to give them and the Cubs, obviously, but the Braves also credit. That was it for the series. And I think that that's, you know, we see this with teams like the Pirates, especially, and the Rockies, for whatever reason, who have hit Chris Bryant like a thousand times in the last year. Like, these teams just not letting this stuff go. So I, at the very least, appreciated the Braves being like, you know, we had it out today, we mouthed off at each other, but we're not going to show up for the rest of these three games and just start beaning everybody, right? So I I think that that's the way that these types of disputes should be handled. But I just, all I want to say is Tyler Flowers was really condescending towards Wilson Contreras after And the he game. continued it, though, too. That, yes. that's, that's the thing that, you know, pisses Cubs fans off. Like, he's replying to all those different comments yeah, that on was social pathetic. media. Yeah. Like, let it go, dude. Like, come on. Like, you're calling Wilson, you know, someone who likes to get attention to whatnot. Right. What, like, what are you doing on social media? He called him an antagonist. I mean, come on. Yeah. And like, so and it was, it was so, very ironic. Well, and the the part that really rubbed me the wrong way is that, you know, he was saying that, you know, and, and agreeing with people calling Wilson an antagonist and, you know, just talking <laughs> about his behavior. And sure. he said, you know, that, that some of this stuff he'll learn as he grows older and plays in the game more. And I, I He's just got to... back-to-back all-star. <laughs> like, yeah, what I got to stop you there, flowers? Tyler, okay? Yeah, because come on, man. 
Wilson Contreras has only been in the league since 2016. But yeah. you you gotta you gotta let me defend my guy here because Tyler, you have done nothing in this league. You've never been an All Star. You've never won a championship. You've got nothing, right? Wilson today, as we record this on Thursday, is named the back-to-back starter for the National League as the catcher. He is a World Series champion. Tyler, you got no, you're, you're stepping to the wrong guy, my friend. You're, 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 you don't even get, you're, you don't even in, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. Just you write that down because I'm I stuttering. Yeah. Like, Tyler, you're not even getting all the playing time on your own team. Like, you're stepping at the wrong dude, man. Like, Wilson is has accomplished more. You can tell him he's going to learn stuff as his career goes on. He's accomplished more in his few years in the league than you have in your entire career. All right? He doesn't need a lecture from you. He's acting as if Wilson doesn't know the, you know, the foundation of the game where you don't right. try to draw... Right attention to yourself that's so condescending man because look at what wilson's done over his past three years how he's handled a veteran pitching staff how he's handled certain situations on the field how he's handled everything even outside of the baseball field with venezuela with his family you don't like to to condescend a young catcher who has already gained the respect from some of the most prominent pitchers of our era Go, go screw yourself, man. Like right. that's 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 ridiculous to even suggest. And to continue that on social media, you know, dozens of comments back at fans essentially keeping antagonizing Contreras, so to speak, it's unacceptable. I'm not here for it. It's it's completely bizarre behavior. Quite honestly, I think from Flowers well, to continue and, with and all he, that. And to be fair, like he starts it, man. Like the, the, the yeah. batter's allowed to talk to the umpire. He's the catcher. Like Flowers, I'm sure, does the same thing. So when you jump into that conversation between Wilson and the umpire, you've started it, man. Like, and if you don't want to hear Wilson talk, don't let him hit a home run. Right. But like, I, there, there's something about some of these guys that, that get on their soapbox about stuff like this. When, like, and I love it. You guys know that the Cubs-related podcast is pro-bat flip. You want to do a cartwheel down to first base, I, I would love it. Well, I've got I, some, know, I don't know about that one, though. No. I've got some ideas one. for Javi that would be very entertaining. Well, he's the only one that can do it, but the rest, that's for you another know, time. Wanna, you but I'm just saying, like, yeah. like, Tyler, dude, like, you're on a team with Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, Josh Donaldson. Like, you're on a team with guys that, that play with energy and they, that wear their emotions on their sleeves and that are not afraid to just be themselves. Like, you're really not the person to be policing this stuff, man. And, like, I'm just saying, I'll end with this. Wilson Contreras can learn from a lot of people. We've, we've, we know that he learned from Miguel Montero, David Ross. I'm sure he learns from guys like John Lester every time he's out there catching him. You know who he doesn't need to take advice from? Tyler Flowers. Tyler Flowers. I'll leave it at that. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Tyler so Flowers. that's that's where we stand on that. You step to Wilson. We're gonna like we're we're gonna defend our guys. Like it, it, unless we think they're doing something egregiously wrong, 
we're going to defend the guys on the Cubs because don't like don't don't come at our guys, man. Like especially when you're Tyler Flowers, like it's pretty simple. So with that, Brendan, I think that's a good transition somehow to. Wilson and Javi are the two members of the Chicago Cubs named to the starting roster for the 2019 All-Star Game that will come to you from Cleveland. It is the second time in a row that both of them will be starting this game. The one tidbit, though, is that Javi is starting at a different position. And I tweeted this on the Cubs Insider Twitter account, at Real Cubs Insider. This is just El Mago doing El Mago things, man, because he starts for the National League at second base in 2018. He moves to shortstop in 2019. He'll just start there too. And I, I want to read a tweet from Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune who writes, Baez joins Bobby Gritch and Granny Hamner. What a name as the lone players to start an all-star game at both shortstop and second base. Wow. Gritch did it once at shortstop, 1972, and twice at second base in 76 and 82, all in the American League. And Hamner did it once at shortstop, 1952, and once at second base, 1954. So Javi's out there doing things we haven't seen in decades, starting at multiple positions in an all-star game, and he's doing it in back-to-back seasons. So that is pretty special from El Mago. And this tweet from Jordan Bastian on the subject, Javi and Wilson are the first Cub teammates to start in back-to-back All-Star games since Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson in 1990 and 91. It is the 19th time that the Cubs have had multiple starters and fourth time the team has had teammates start in consecutive years. Brendan, we've talked a lot about where these two guys in particular come from, their background, what they play for, what they're wearing on their sleeves every day. And it's it's never to suggest that the other guys on this team don't work hard or, you know, come from backgrounds. You know, we've got multiple cancer survivors on this team. So it's not to suggest that these are the only guys that work hard or, you know, come from a background that it took a lot to get here and and with a lot of emotion and, and family history. But it's it's very hard not to just be overwhelmed with joy for these two guys in particular. You know, we always say, like, I don't care about the All-Star game, but you know that this means a ton to these guys to have this honor. And and even just in stats like that, like for these two in particular to be the guys that are starting back-to-back games, and as of this moment, we haven't seen the rest of the rosters. I would expect there's at least a couple, at least one or two other Cubs that end up, you know, making the reserves or whatever. But for these to be the guys representing the Chicago Cubs at the All-Star Game, it's, it, like I said, it's it's difficult not to be, like, overcome with a little bit of emotion for them and just so happy for them that their hard work, their dedication, and their pride in what they are doing on the baseball field every day is being recognized, paid off, and that they get this accolade on the national stage. Yeah, and one of my favorite clips from last season was when Wilson is taking you know, his hacks underneath the tunnel in the batting cage right before that All-Star game. And he has a moment. Cubs Productions is there and they capture it. Well, Wilson's just like in tears right before the game's starting because he knows like what it took to get there and all the different trials he had to overcome 
to get to that point. And I think, too, at the end of last season going into this season, Wilson was not satisfied with how he ended 2018. I think there's a lot of credit that needs to go towards Wilson to taking upon himself and having that accountability and recognizing what he needs to do to get to that next step. Because for a young catcher and really just any young person in general that has that type of success, it was easy to get complacent. And that's what Wilson admitted too. I mean, he he was an all-star last year at the catcher position. You know, for someone of that age where he was going up in the system, it's very easy to be complacent with that. He's not complacent with that. He has the eighth highest weighted on base average right now in the league. In Major League Baseball, Corey, the eighth highest. He's a catcher, a catcher. Not only that, he catches almost every single day. He's going to blow by the Major League leader for innings caught this year, once again, just like last year. So again, not to go back to the Flowers thing, but that's why it's so irritating when someone speaks down to a player like that, to a person like that, who has done so much at his stage of his baseball career. So yeah, I'm thrilled. It's 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 hard. You're right, not to get kind of caught up and a little emotional too, because Wilson was never supposed to be part of this core. Like when you said, "Hey, you know, this is the first duo in Cubs history since you know the '80s to have that type of back-to-back All-Star record." I would have thought, okay, if that's going to happen in this era, it's going to be Brizzo, of course, right? For Javi and Wilson to be that duo, to be those two guys, both of them have just kind of exceeded, I think, a lot of our expectations, really. Going into 2015, 2016, you know, Javi was a prospect with a lot of hype, was not living up to it, had to make massive adjustments. He made them. Wilson Contreras was a a single-A, double-A player, had very little power in the minors. What does he do? He makes an adjustment. He's going to hit maybe 35 homers, 40 homers this season. Absolutely. And and I wanted to further a point. You used WOBA, but I'm going to use WRC+. Uh, I I just want to read the names of the players who are ahead of Wilson Contreras in WRC+. Again, 100 is league average. Below is below league average. Above is better than league average, obviously, since that's the opposite. The only players that have a better WRC+, weighted runs created, then Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the Chicago Cubs, Freddie Freeman, Josh Bell, Anthony Rendon, Pete Alonzo, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger. That's it. That's the list. Any other player <laughs> you're thinking of is not having a better offensive season than Wilson Contreras. I'm That's looking insane. just That's at the insane. immediate you know names that jump out of you. Nolan Arenado is not at the top of this list. Alex Bregman is not at the top of this list. Even our own Chris Bryant is not ahead of Wilson Contreras. It's just those seven gentlemen who are some of the best hitters in all of baseball and then Wilson Contreras. It's remarkable. So Remarkable. That's uh, that's what we got there. Again, we'll keep an eye out on other Cubs that end up there. I, I would say, you know, I, I at this point, I don't even know how they do the reserves thing. I didn't know that they had changed the voting like they did to, you know, this like final three. And then, you know, you, you get the starter from that group. Uh, yeah, I think we had mentioned on the last podcast. So the other Cubs that were in contention uh, as the voting finished today were Rizzo, Bryant, Almora, Hayward, and Schwarber. 
in varying uh, degrees of worthiness. I think you guys can put that together for yourselves. But I would say there's a definite possibility Brizzo ends up there. I think Cole Hamels should be in the conversation for that. Kyle Hendricks was certainly on his way to that. The injury, you know, obviously I don't think he would go even if he got chosen, but I, you know, that that inability to stay healthy there may have cost him his first appearance, unfortunately, but we'll have to see. Again, I, I don't even know at this point how they decide that. If it's Dave Roberts, who I think is the manager, if it's the players, who knows, right? But it doesn't count for hold field advantage anymore. So Brendan, they can do whatever they want, right? Take whoever they want, do whatever you want. I don't care. Have a nice time. But that's the all-star stuff. So congratulations to Javi and Wilson. Uh, again, we you know really couldn't be happier and more proud to have those two representing the Cubs in Cleveland. But Brendan, I want to get back to this Brave series, uh, a very strange homestand for the Cubs. Uh, they, they split the entire homestand, uh, a series with the White Sox, a series with the Mets, and a series with the Braves, which I think you're okay in general concept with the split with the Braves. The Braves have been playing very good baseball. Uh, they are atop the NL East, currently have the second best record in the National League. But obviously you're not as okay with those splits against the Mets and the White Sox. So overall, the homestand you know, not not successful, I wouldn't say, uh, especially coming off that, you know, that West Coast trip that was a bit of a struggle. But the, the, the thing that I wanted to focus on first was a couple of the starting pitchers that we see in this series. Uh, Hendricks is back throwing, doing bullpens. Same thing. They're, they're going to be cautious with him. Uh, the, the group saying today that it's possible he comes back before the All-Star break. Uh, he's fine. The, these, you know, these throwing sessions are going well. But again, it's a long season. They're not going to rush him back, uh, especially they, they've got arms, they've got bodies to handle these innings for now. So we're, we're keeping an eye on that, but it's fine. Patience, right? Um, but I want to talk about you, Darvish, and Adbert Alzali. I was literally about to pronounce it wrong again. I, something in my brain clicked, like that I, you know, that I was about to do it. So uh, it's I. You just got to keep practicing. It's going to be a process. Yeah. for two days. Yeah, it's going to be go. a process, but. I want to talk about Alzali in the sense of what you thought of his his first major league start, obviously a short one, but a productive one nonetheless, I think. And you Darvish, who, like, man, is there a more frustrating player that that I can remember maybe even in my lifetime uh, than you Darvish because he he really seems to be the embodiment of one step forward two steps back. And perhaps we can start there, Brendan, but I I really genuinely believe that that moment and start at Dodger Stadium could be a, a, you know, Pat Hughes turning point for his tenure as a Chicago Cub. And we kind of go right back to a game where he gives up some home runs to give up a lead. And then this start against the Braves, which is just not good uh, any way you want to spin that. So, you know, you kind of have two sides of that coin where in the start before that, I believe he, you know, the Cubs get a lead a couple times. He blows it a couple times, ultimately to get a no decision. And then in this Braves series, you know, he puts the Cubs in a five to nothing hole right out the gate. Um 
the walks were down in this start against the Braves, only two walks, but the home run ball is is coming back to bite him. So I yeah. guess as we head towards the all-star break, which I think is, you know, obviously a time to reset and kind of like reevaluate things when you have that time off, what are you thinking about this starting rotation? You can throw, you know, Chatwood's start in there as well uh, as he gets a start in, in, and, and the win in this final game of the series, but what do you envision them doing with Alzelay going forward? What did you think about him on Tuesday? And where where are you on on you Darvish? Because I think you were with me in in really hoping that that start at Dodger Stadium against such you know the, uh, such a good lineup in, in LA was going to be that moment for him, and it really just doesn't seem that way. We kind of get back to the same stuff with him, where the the command of certain pitches is all over the place, non-competitive pitches over and over and over again, and I'm kind of at a loss for like what to really make of this situation going forward. For a month, almost, he was looking pretty decent. I mean, even dating back to that start right after that Reds game where he struck up weak, that looked to be one moment for Darvish, and he carried it up with four more starts right after that in a positive way. So I'm thinking, all right, let's go. Darvish is about to come back. His ERA is going down lower and lower on a start-by-start basis, and he's looking more confident, and his fastball looks better all at the same time. So I I was pumped up. Now, it's kind of like a seesaw, too. The other side is, while he's not showing that same gruesome fastball command that he was showing early in May and most of April. He's throwing more strikes with it, but he's also throwing more meatballs to go with his, with the fastball as well. So if you look at his grooved pitch percentage, which is essentially what you think it is, how many times does he throw a fastball right in the happy zone of, of the plate? And on a month-by-month basis, it's gone steadily up. So in April, it was 5%. In May, it was almost 7%. Right now, it's almost 10% with his fastball, Corey. So he's throwing twice as many fastballs in regions of the plate that have the highest likelihood for being a home run. And that's what you're seeing now. So he's throwing more strikes, but sometimes that fastball strike percentage is also going right down the middle. So I don't don't know what to think of it. It is is puzzling, but I, I think... There's still reason to be encouraged about it. I think the, that four to five start stretch before these previous two ones, if that's what we get going forward for the remainder of the year, then I am happy with that. I think that's more or less kind of what you realistically could expect. But if this is what it's going to be, where you have these inconsistent stretches and you have the fastball command kind of escape you at times, other times where you're throwing it right in the happy zone of the plate. It's hard to project and rely upon a guy to give you these consistent starts. That being said, I'm okay still with Darvish. I know a lot of people are running more impatient with him, and I'm at times I'm right there with you, but I, I still think that the total sample of his last six weeks, seven weeks, there is more good, I think, than bad. And I know it's not what you want to hear. We're sick of trying to balance these goods and bads. I know he has no wins at Wrigley. I get it. Trust me. But I think still <laughs> there are more good than bad. If we're having the same discussion in August, then yeah, that will be a problem. But I think there's still some signs that Darvish still will give you some of that that production that we really, really want from him. 
Yeah, I'm not sure, man. I I I I just it just gets to like and and you said it, man. Like he he still hasn't won a game at Wrigley Field, man. Like that's crazy. And uh, of course, like I'm not judging a guy by pitcher wins and losses. I think we know better than that at this point. But that's that's just such a crazy, depressing stat that 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 we're still dealing with that here. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's just more disappointment, man. I I, I really genuinely believed that 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 start in L.A. was going to be a bit of a turning point for him. And I I said as much on on the podcast afterward, where I I really more than anything just hoped that that was a a, a light switch for him. Like, dude, don't overthink things. Like, you are this good. You can be this good. Your stuff is this good, and it just doesn't have to be this much of a struggle. Every but do you time. think he's do you think he's in the same place as he was in April though? Like, like Corey, remember those starts where he could not seriously no, throw no, one no, fastball? No, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't, but I, but I, you, you still, I think, just see things that are concerning to a degree. Like, there's no debate, right, to be had over whether his stuff is good, right? We see plenty of pitchers on, you know, come up with the Cubs at times and on other teams where you can look at them and go, their stuff is just not that good. It's flat. The velo isn't anything special. Their breaking balls aren't sharp. They can't command more than one or two pitches. They can't command off-speed pitches. Like, you see this all the time. And Darvish is not in a group where you would say, yeah, his stuff stinks, right? But you still just see in in so many of these at-bats just non-competitive pitches. I think it was Mark DeRosa who talked a good bit about this on in, in one of the MLB Network segments. And it's it's something that we've noticed with him before, and certainly with Tyler Chatwood last year. And you just think about that from a hitter's perspective, where you're just seeing so many pitches that like right away, like right out of the guy's hand, that's not a strike, right? Yeah. And it and think about how much easier that makes your at bat, and and when you can decide to be aggressive, like you can go up there at times against Darvish and have a mindset of. If I see it near the plate, I'm going to swing because the other pitches I know I'm not swinging at right away. And then he has to come over the plate to throw strikes and you're waiting for it because the other ones you're not even thinking about. So I don't know, man. And and like, yeah, like in this brave start, like the walk total is down, the strikeouts are up. And and again, we, we've been going through this for over a year now like you see the flashes you see the signs you understand in a vacuum like why this guy has the reputation that he's had why he's had the successes that he's had but I just I don't know man I just don't know what to make of it anymore um but altogether I it's just disappointing um and you know we've gone through that he works as hard as anybody. He wants this as much as anybody. He seems like a genuinely wonderful human being. Um, so it's it's all the more frustrating to see him just not be able to string together, you know, a nice run of of starts here. And and I think you know those that have for a long time now had their pitchforks out for him. You know, I, I don't think that's the right attitude, and it's it's not pragmatic really right like he signed for the Cubs for a while like it's it's in their best interest to figure out like how to get this right and how to get the most out of him um but I I do think that you know people are are reasonable to be pretty frustrated with this Brendan I, I think that that you know he has not earned 
people just, you know, constantly giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I go back to, we were talking, I mean, what was it, months ago? I mentioned that that Tony Andraki from NBC Chicago article where he said, like, you know, the time for silver lining starts is over. I mean, that was like two months ago, man. And, and you know, here you and I are having this kind of same exact conversation where we're kind of trying to pick out the silver linings and, and you know, the things to build on. So, I, it's all to say, I don't know. He just is what he is. And, and, you know, I think you kind of just have to approach it that way until we see something different. And like I said, but I think, I still think we are seeing something different though. Like that's then the beginning of the year. Yeah. I I agree with you. I just mean, I mean, terms of the overall, like, sure. And I, I, I'm, trust me, I'm there. I think Darvish should be a guy with, you know, an ERA and FIP under three like almost, you know, a year and a year out basis. I, I get it. But even since the middle of May, his walk rate's only two and a half per nine innings. His striker rate's over 10 and a half. Like those are ace type numbers. I, I, I get the whole frustration with them, but I was really concerned about the guy going into May. I mean, just go look at those stars. I'm telling you, go, go look at those stars. He's throwing fastballs 80% of the time completely in regions where Wilson's not setting up. So I, 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 yeah, the silver linings, I'm sick of talking about it. I am. But I don't think some of the results he's gotten recently reflect the changes he successfully made. And I think sure. the next step, the next step is going to be, okay, you need to limit these homers, right? And we've had the same discussions with Hendricks and his homers the past two years. Not this year. He's been much better this year, but even in the last two years, 2018, 2017, we had this discussion on the podcast several times. For whatever it is, these guys who have careers of not giving up homers, they typically don't give up homers for a good reason. And for Darvish, it's been because his stuff has been so good. His stuff still is so good. So whether this is a kind of a random thing, I don't think it is, but I am still trusting Darvish now more than I did going into May because he is showing a lot better signs now than he was early in the year. So I'm a little bit more optimistic maybe than the next guy, but that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Maybe I'm crazy, Corey. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Well, I I mean, we all know you're crazy, but I don't know if this is the particular instance that we're diagnosing that. But I, no, look, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think like certainly I think you'd be being somewhat like intellectually dishonest if you were suggesting that it's always been the same story with him because he's clearly in a different place than where he was last year, you know, when he was healthy and earlier in the year. Like, you know, it, it's it's not the same thing. Uh, so I think that that's definitely true. Um, and I, and I see all of what you're talking about. I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's getting to the point where it's, it's very easy to just be pretty frustrated with this whole situation. I, I think, you know, you just want him to go out there and deliver a couple quality starts in a row at some point. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, so it's just like, you know, that stuff, the, the no wins at Wrigley Field, the constant no decisions. It's easy for that stuff to, you know, kind of snowball and, and for people, I, I think myself included to just, you know, get pretty frustrated at times and just be like, man, like I'm, I want to change the channel, man. Like, I don't want to watch the show anymore. Like, I, I know I get it. I, the, all these episodes are the same, man. Like, I, I just want to see something different, but, uh, 
as we go forward here, the Cubs, when they activated Craig Kimbrell, send down Tony Barnett uh, to continue working. And, you know, he's only gotten a, a little bit of a shake here at the major league level, but he's got those options, those precious options. And Alzali stays up. He gets the the start on Tuesday, obviously, but we don't really have word on what they're planning to do going forward. Let's say they're 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 patient with Hendricks, and he's not going to come back either till right before the All Star break or you know after the All Star break. Do you envision them continuing to give him starts? Do you envision them optioning him down? Because again, if we're playing these these games like with the roster right and protecting guys on the 40 man and protecting guys that don't have options Alzali is someone uh, unfortunately who's going to be in these conversations to get sent down I know you and I are definitely not in that camp but he's got those options and other guys don't and we've been through this with plenty of these guys before we just kind of know how this works so what do you what's your what's your feel on this situation what are you hoping that we see going forward what do you think we see going forward with Alzali. What, what, what do I hope? I hope he's on the team the entire year, right? What, what do I think? Uh, because of all these guys having options, probably the most logical thing to do would be drive the bus from Iowa back to Wrigley nonstop, not just with Tony Barnett, but with most of the other guys as well. And that includes Alzali. I mean, like, I... I would love for him to continue to get opportunities to start. Whether those opportunities exist when Hendricks comes back, you don't know. I would instead rather also like go to the bullpen if that's the case and get consistent outings that way. But realistically, you know how the Cubs are going to operate this. Like You don't need anyone else to tell you otherwise. They're likely going to play the shuttle bus back and forth from Iowa. He's going to want to probably get more stars underneath his belt, uh, or rather the coaches in the front office would rather that be the case. And if that is the case, then he'll be starting in Iowa once Hendricks is back. But the way the Cubs can utilize Alzali to their benefit is by optioning Barnett consistently. And it would be optioning even, you know, some other guys as well on this roster that keep coming back and forth with, you know, Rowan Wick. And maybe we see Xavier Cedeno at some point. It's going to be a merry-go-round, so to speak. And I think Alzolai is now going to be part of that. That's kind of what I think is going to happen. But he still may have an opportunity to prove otherwise. Maybe he has one or two more chances. And they're so successful that the Cubs just can't send this guy down once Hendricks does come back. Whether or not that role will be... In a mop-up duty as a six-man rotation is going to be determined, but I do think there will be an opportunity for Alzolite depending on when Hendricks will be back and depending upon the situation that Madden uses him right away. Now, if he's starting again, that's kind of a sign to me that, okay, this might be a legit thing where we see Alzolite more consistently, even if he is sent back down one more time. Maybe we see him back up relatively quickly and he becomes a stable uh, with this team. So there's many ways to look at it, but I think the the one that you probably want to bet on is that he'll be back and forth a few times before September hits. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I mean, look, like I want to see him on the team. Uh, we've been over this, and it applies to the position player group as well. I think we're just getting to the point in the season where I want to see the guys that are giving the Cubs the best chance to win. I know that that is not the pragmatic. Well, it's not. It's not happening. Right. I, I understand <laughs> that's the that. Problem. I, I understand that, yeah. and I understand that from a front office perspective that that is not always pragmatic because you just lose some of these players and whether they should care about that is our opinion but it's not always how these front offices work and I understand that um but that's not my job and it's not Brendan's job you guys know I I tried to make that my job like going through baseball operations internships and other front offices so don't say I didn't try uh but as a fan uh, you know, we're allowed to not think that way. I don't have to think pragmatically all the time. I'm not running the team. So for me, like, I want to see Alzale on this team. Dylan Maples is hot in AAA. I want to see him on this team. I think those guys, their, you know, power and their velo, their stuff, like, I think those guys are giving the Cubs the best chance to win. I, I don't think that guys, you know, and, and worrying about Brad Brock and Mike Montgomery and stuff like that, and I'm not, all, you know, in a general sense, just saying, like, just dump some of these guys, right? But I'm just saying, like, at a certain point, like, I want to see the best 25-man roster that the Chicago Cubs can put together, and I think you'd be lying if you said that they're doing that right now. And, we're we're going to wrap up here shortly as we get ready to preview this weekend series but like Brendan we've talked about this we've said this it's got to be the last what five podcasts in a row same issue on offense right and it's the inconsistency and i keep saying it's it's not that these guys can't perform individually right because as we keep saying Victor Caratini's been good as a backup catcher he's he's proven a lot of us wrong he has a huge home run in the game on Thursday. He's done a wonderful job behind the plate, built a nice rapport with some of these pitchers. But it's it's just that general inconsistency from the bottom of the order. And like the bottom of the order, Brendan, they lose the middle two games. The Cubs are staring a three and four or one and three series against the Braves in the eye, right? Going into Thursday's game. And Joe Madden trots out a lineup that ends with Cargo yeah. and Daniel Descalso. Like, what? I checked the lineup today. Like, I was floored that Daniel Descalso was starting this game. And we've been through this. I, I, I understand, right? You signed him to a two-year deal. You believe he's better than this. He's a veteran presence. Blah, 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 right? Nobody wants to hear any of that anymore. The guy after Thursday's game has a 558 OPS. That's a real number, folks. 558, right? Cargo, again, we like the experiment. He doesn't look good. He looks late. Even JD on the broadcast. You know it's bad when JD is on the broadcast saying, boy, does he look late? Like, he doesn't look like he can catch up to this. I mean, like, that's a real thing. JD was dogging him on the on the broadcast. Well, I mean, not not he wasn't you know, dogging them. That's not like JD's him natural in, reaction to yes, what he's seeing. But uh, yeah, sorry. So dogging yeah. is the wrong connotation. Yeah. I just mean that in his just like straight up analysis, it comes across as dogging him because it's just not good. And it's just one of those times, Brendan, where you look around and you go, and I, again, I said this on the last time, and that's why we're doing this at the end here, because if you've been listening to our podcast, you've heard this. We've said this a number of times, like that the, the reason the offense has been inconsistent and this wasn't a great homestand from an offensive perspective at a lot of times is because that, that bottom of the order, that bench is just not 
consistent. And, you know, you're seeing Bodie is in a rough stretch right now. Albert Amora is in a terrible stretch. He's got a 675 OPS after this game on Thursday. Cargo 572 on the season after this game. Like, that's the issue with the offense. And we've said this repeatedly, but, but Brendan, like, all I'm saying is it's really difficult to reconcile. Like, did I imagine Theo and Joe talking about urgency and like specifically these games? Theo talked about these games, the game that happened on Thursday, almost literally the games where we're at the end of the series, we're going on a road trip afterward, and we put out a lineup that just isn't our best, right? So you you check the lineup on Thursday, and you're going, did I imagine him saying that? Because this lineup is exactly what he said, I don't want to see anymore, right? And you, then bring you up have Robo to assume, Garcia then. I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you're going to— Well, if, I, I don't, I'm not even know? talking about answers. I'm just, I'm just wondering aloud, like, you know, and, and I have certainly, going back to use the same phrase, I have dogged Addison Russell plenty. And I'm not here advocating for him getting more playing time. But over Descalso, I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, even Russell has a, a an OPS that's a, a 160 points higher than Descalso. And he plays good defense. I mean, they got like, to do better I just than, don't understand, man. That's yeah. all, all I'm saying is it, it, it wraps up with that pitcher conversation in saying, right now, there's no chance you could convince me that this is the best 25-man group that this team can be putting together. And I don't like it anymore. I, again, I understand that that's not how this works and that you, you, you know, you have to factor in like the pragmatism and, and the roster manipulation and all of that of this. But this division is tight and it's only tight because nobody has run away with it. Everybody in the division has played poorly over the last few weeks. And it's just getting. I'm getting kind of pissed off. I got to be honest with you, Brendan, that that we're still trotting out some of these guys and expecting different results. It's that old quote about insanity, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Like, what is Descalso going to do for this team right now? I don't see any solution until the, the until the trade market heats up. It's just how it is. If Garcia was the best option in Theo's mind. He would have been on the team by now. I don't know what else the guy has to do in AAA to get up here. This is what it is. It's It sucks to see. I mean, that lineup today was nauseating, and it's just something we'll have to deal with until the trade market heats up, I think. Uh, with that being said, let's preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds, and you can get tickets to that series through SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and finally SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. 
I used SeatGeek for all my tickets. I used SeatGeek to buy my Cubs tickets when they were here in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. I use them for all my baseball tickets wherever I go. If I go to Wrigley, I use SeatGeek. It's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. But plus, best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use your promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. The first game of this three-game set starts Friday. We have a night game, a 6.10 p.m. Central start time for the Cubs and Reds. Cole Hamels takes the mound for the Cubs, who's 6-2 with a 2.92 ERA. We'll be facing Sonny Gray for the Reds, who's 3-5 with a 4.03 ERA. On Saturday, an afternoon game, that game starts at 3.10 p.m. Central Time. Jose Quintana takes the mound, looking to rebound off after a very difficult start his last time out. His overall record on the year is 4-7 with a 4.5 ERA. He'll be facing Luis Castillo, the young Reds sensation who's having a phenomenal year. He has a 7-2 record. He is uh, he has a 2.56 ERA. And then on Sunday to finish off the three-game set, you have your boy John Lester on the mound for the Cubs. Lester on the year is 7-5 with a 3.83 ERA. And then he'll be facing Anthony Del Scalfani, who's 4-4 four four with a 4.7 ERA. The full, complete NL Central picture right now. Remarkably, I don't know how they're doing it, Corey, but the Cubs are still in first place. They have a 44-37 and 37 record. Milwaukee is one game back of the Cubs. They are 43-38. and 38. The Cardinals are three games back. They are one game above 500 at 40-39. and 39. Pittsburgh, 38-41, and 41, five games back, and then Cincinnati in the cellar, but not too far out, 36-42, and 42, six and a half games back of the Cubs. <laughs> Honestly, Corey, all I'm looking for this series is clean defense. Joe has been talking about it. The base running has been sloppy as well. I just want one series now where I don't have to be reminded of all the sloppiness we've seen, and it's so unfamiliar for the Cubs to, uh, to play like this. So, that's my priority. It's clean defense, clean base running, still keep that aggressive nature, but you know, don't be a little foolish with it. That's what I'm looking for. I think I'm with you on that. There, there was a, a few double plays that the Cubs turned. One of them that comes to mind that Chris Bryant was actually in the second base position, uh, you know, after they shifted. And there was just a couple of those in this Brave series where you were like, that's the Cubs defense, right? Turning like razor thin double plays that other teams may not be able to turn uh, just because they're executing it really well. And there was just a couple of those moments where you're going like, this is what this defense used to look like, like should look like on a, on a nightly basis. And yeah, you're right. Like, and you know, there's a reason Joe ends up talking about it. There's just been uh, a very weird, I think Len Casper tweeted the other day that the Cubs lead the league with like outs on the bases. Like, where does that come from? From this group? It's, it's very strange. Um, so yeah, just cleaning some of that stuff up in general, obviously want to see a better start from Quintana, uh, this weekend, but you know, like, it's too many splits in a row, man. You know, we went on that run where we were winning every yeah. series. Uh, and that, I, look, I got to be honest with you, it's probably the hottest take I'm going to drop on this podcast. Um, I prefer when the Cubs win series to mm, when they yeah. lose or I'll split take, yeah. them. Yeah, no, I'm okay? with you too. Like, I'm just yeah. going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to be shy about it anymore. 
you guys know where to find me if if that's uh you know if that take is is too fire for your your earphones or however you're listening to this but yeah I, like let's just start winning winning games again uh, again like I, i'm i i think brendan and i are are more than willing to talk about and admit you know stuff that doesn't look good on this team and we've been saying that about the the, the position player depth and how they've been performing for weeks now um but I, like this team is is better than they've been playing. They've been playing 500 ball for a while now, unfortunately, and they're just better than that. And I and I will continue to believe that uh, until they give me a legitimate reason not to believe that. But with this group and that core of players uh, up in, at the top and middle of that order, they're they're just better than than playing 500 baseball and and splitting series with teams the likes of the Mets and the White Sox. Like that that's just honestly how I feel. So. I think you go into Cincinnati and try to get back to those winning ways. And, you know, hopefully the rest of the NL Central keeps screwing around and you can start to build up a nice little cushion here uh, in that division. That would certainly be nice. Give you some breathing room as you kind of like look at this roster and kind of evaluate what you want to do at the deadline. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. So, so Brendan, before I, I wrap up officially, I just want you to go, I want you to go on record with your official stance. Uh, where did the Cookie Monster rank in all-time seventh-inning stretches? I, I, I kind of liked it. Not going to lie, I kind of liked it. I don't know. I was always a big Sesame Street guy, so it has a nostalgia effect. So you have the nostalgia of Sesame Street. You have the nostalgia of the Cubs. I'm, I'm right there. I, I like it. Sorry. I, you know, I, I liked it as well. I was not expecting you to have liked it I, for whatever reason. Why? Um, I don't know. That is was your just my is your opinion of me that low that you don't think I like Sesame Street? I you didn't, well, I don't know if it's about a Sesame Street thing. Okay. I you know you just I I don't know. I guess I just kind of took you for more of a like either do the video board with Harry, you know, have Fergie in there stuff. You know, Rhino. Uh, otherwise, we don't need anybody else singing. Um, I mean, mo- most I, most of the time I am like that, but like you know. Cookie Monster, an exception though. Yeah, that I mean, that, that was that was exception. the point of my question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought he really nailed that. It was it was really quite quite a rendition, and the crowd really pumped for it. Um, which you know is always always something that's fun to see, like what what things get the crowd really going. But the the crowd was really into it. And the the last note I, I'll leave on before I, I I wrap up here is I also just appreciated, and I didn't say this in the the opening with Kimbrel, but the the pop from the crowd. Just when he stuck his arm out, right, to do his pose <laughs> yeah. was amazing. Like, that's just uh, so amazing. I, I love the fans at Wrigley Field so much. And, and it's for little moments like that. Like, they were howling when he was coming out of the bullpen. The notes from Sweet Child of Mine hit. They're going crazy <laughs> even more. I'm watching the and video And then you right just now, yeah. get, like, this, like, elevated pop when he just sticks his arm out like you know everybody was waiting for it like oh he's doing the thing so that was awesome the, the whole thing was awesome and i i hope that you know we we were at the point now where we are looking forward to that cubs bullpen and what they're able to do uh with c-shek strope and kimbrell finishing out these games but other than that i think that's all we have for you a very eventful four game series we've we've got the benches clearing we've got guys being named to the all-star team We've got, you know, Caratini with a huge bomb on Thursday to secure the split uh, all over the place in this series. I, I would be very much appreciative for like a clean, 
like let's just take two of three or sweep in Cincinnati, like some big numbers. Like how about one of those classic trips to Cincinnati? Like let's do one of those. Those like, seventeen Bryant. nothing wins. Maybe yeah, maybe a no hitter like, sprinkled in. Let's do one of those. Right? Yeah. Like is that so much to ask? It's been I don't a while, think so. I feel like, like one of those like Chris Bryant three homer night things. Like yeah, just one where of we're those. all laughing. Ha ha! The Cincinnati Reds. You know something like that. I, <sighs> I don't think that's too much to ask for, Brendan. But either way, whether smart. that's whether that's what happens or something else, uh, we will talk to you guys, of course, on Sunday evening. You'll hear us on uh, you know late Sunday evening if you're up, or Monday morning, and we will talk about everything that happened over the weekend. As always, we appreciate you guys, uh, your guys' listenership, the participation on Twitter. Uh, and the reviews, we still see those reviews in the Apple Podcasts app, iTunes store. I know they got rid of iTunes. I don't know how that works anymore, but you guys are still sending the reviews, uh, and we really appreciate that. We see those numbers. We read the comments. It's very nice. It's very humbling, uh, and we genuinely appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to not only listen to us and, and you know give us your listenership, but also to take the time and, and to do that for us. So we appreciate that. We will talk to you guys on Sunday, and as always... Go Cubs. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.